0: Welcome to episode number 22 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. This week, a foursome here with Brett Coulson, Dustin Galker, and Eric Ramsey. A very, very interesting show. Not a long show, but an interesting show. We will obviously be hitting on the FanDuel Sportsbook glitch. We'll save that for last, as that's going to be an interesting topic to talk about here. We'll talk about a big partnership in a major sport with a sportsbook as well. We'll talk about a DFS feature that is a little bit controversial that will be making a comeback this season. But as always, we will get going here with the quick hits. Dustin. Federal Sports Betting Oversight Committee hearing looks like we are going to be having it after all.
1: Yeah, we officially have it on the schedule of a House Judiciary Subcommittee. Congress is going to be tackling the issue of sports betting for the first time since uh, PASPA was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. So we'll see what they have. We don't have a bill. We don't have much sense of what they're going to talk about during this hearing. But Congress is going to talk about it for better or for worse.
0: Eric, is this anything that you were surprised about considering all of the things that are going on in the governmentals right now?
2: Uh, I mean, we do have a lot going on. Yeah, once it dropped off the calendar the first time, I guess I figured it was probably an underdog to appear before, before the midterms. But it's there, and I honestly, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I am scared of what may come of it, but I'm ready to uh, – if they're going to address it, let's go ahead and address it and figure out what's going on.
1: Did you watch the time they had the fantasy sports hearing, though, Eric? I, <laughs> fair, if, you, yeah, if, you had, if you had to sit through that, you would disagree. Yeah, it's a very fair
0: point. I believe Eric just said he was excited about a hearing.
2: I tried to soften it a little bit with some caveats there. But, yeah, I mean, bottom line, let's
3: uh, rip the Band-Aid off here. we is- got Orrin Hatch and, and Chuck Schumer siding on something. I, I find that pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, like buddy cop story, right? Like we need to make this into a movie, a, a sitcom on television. This would be this would be amazing. Or Hatch we could would be show, the we, sh- he would be like the the old like really super bland dry guy and then like Schumer <laughs> would be like the color guy and whatever. I mean, this would be this I, I think we've seen this before essentially. It should make great
2: theater if nothing else, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is why you guys listen to this podcast because we will give you the cliff notes of all these things. We actually had a guy just now on this podcast say he was excited about a federal hearing so i know none of you listening are so that is why you listen to this (laughs) podcast so this is this is a good thing right here the brightest Um, minds in sports yes yes exactly uh eric us about west virginia and how we should not be really happy about things that are going on there
2: oh we could probably spend a whole episode talking about west (laughs) virginia and we we may end up talking about it again in the future but uh a uh, short version, something weird is going on between the lottery and the lawmakers and the governor's office there. We remember that the lottery director resigned a couple days after sports betting started there at the start of the month. The managing general counsel is apparently missing in action. Not exactly sure what's going on there. The yeah. The current acting director, uh, he's actually been replaced. But at the time, the acting director spoke before a committee this week and really had no answers for lawmakers. It was kind of an antagonistic hearing. Um, I don't want to speculate too much, but the tone of the lawmakers made it clear that they think that the governor's office and the leagues are working together to sort of still working to interject themselves into the regulations there. So it's a really long story and complicated and long story short, something sinister is going on there behind the scenes in West Virginia.
0: Dustin, this is something we talked about how this is not an easy process and we understand that there's going to be bumps in the road, but this seems to be even more crazy than we could have imagined.
1: Yeah. I mean, West Virginia like passed a law pretty easily back in the spring and we knew the leagues were uh, not happy because they're getting none of what they wanted in the, in the West Virginia sports betting law. And you know, this, we, we don't have any direct uh, sourcing saying this is related to the leagues, but uh, you know, people who have been involved with sports betting and pushing it forward in West Virginia are suddenly not working on for the lottery or uh, not working on sports betting anymore. Somebody who is you know involved with governor justice and has run the lottery for is now in charge. So. Uh, you know, reading some tea leaves, this is this this reeks of the league's kind of saying this, this is like another uh, avenue for them to to try to impose their will, get integrity fees, get some of the stuff they want uh, implanted in a sports betting law.
0: And this really throws a kink in Brett's plans. He recently bought a vacation house at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. So he was really looking forward to everything just running really smoothly there in West Virginia. I
3: bought two, two places, two different, different places.
0: places. OK, OK. The Greenbrier. <laughs> yes. In which in which case you had to buy two new jackets so that you could go to the <laughs> casino.
3: That is correct.
0: Yeah, so you get to get that going there. But we will definitely monitor West Virginia and keep you up to date on everything that is going on there, I actually just returned from the great state of Mississippi. Was down at the Beau Rivage down there, took a look at what's going on with their sports book and whatnot. Actually, guys, a really nice sports book there, um, and it goes along the lines of what we've talked about on this very podcast. Designed to feel more like a sports bar, designed to feel more like a place you go and hang out, as opposed to you you're only going to bet. So, um, I think this is going to be the tra- Trend moving forward especially with these casinos that are going to be building from the ground up um, they're not having to adjust to a space that's already there whenever they're basically going in just with a with a blank canvas I think this is what we're going to see moving forward tons of couches and all the different things like that everywhere food uh, two different bars and you know all that type of stuff so pretty interesting stuff there but Mississippi numbers have come out uh, Dustin Eric whichever one of you wants to take this let's talk about those
1: uh yeah well either way
2: I'll yeah, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the short version and you can pick up uh, $6.3 million in August handle, about $645,000 in revenue for the casinos. We don't get a ton of data from regulators. We know there was a lot on baseball, about $3.3 3 about half the handle was on baseball. Um, we also know that the first three days in September are not in that report, but they must have been big, uh, about $3.5 in September coming to start the month. So, yeah, we got we got numbers from Mississippi.
1: And this is just physical casinos, physical sportsbooks, Mississippi, no online wagering. Uh, We're we're obviously waiting for we'll be looking forward to New Jersey reporting those numbers next month uh, and seeing how much how much people are betting on on, online in New Jersey. And that's, you know, states that only uh, legalize via physical sportsbooks are obviously kind of missing the boat because you're missing out on a lot of possible uh, revenue.
0: I went to the Beauvage, I went to the Hard Rock, and I went to the Golden Nugget. Just walked in, uh, talked to a couple of people at those places. And this is one of those things where we said it's going to be very interesting. And from the initial feedback, and of course, we're very... We're very short into the season right now, but they said college football is absolutely bonkers in these sports books right now. The lines are incredible, um, which is another reason, Dustin, as you mentioned, to kind of get these apps going. And of course, they will only be available on property, but still would cut down on things. Apparently, there were people who couldn't even get bets in in time because it was so incredibly popular with college football. Not even like seating was at a premium during college football Saturdays. And of course, we know these Mississippi, casinos loaded located right there in the heart of sec country where college football and even high school football is kind of a religion and stuff so these these numbers are going to get incredibly interesting as things progress to see how much money is coming in on the various sports and and hearing the feedback from these people running these books but as we kind of suspected you know there in the south at least early reports college football is just go doing gangbusters
1: yeah. And, you know, there's uh, to, to your point, there's also some a couple of casinos with kiosk betting that can kind of alleviate a little bit of that possibly. But, yeah, it's uh, I don't think anybody's shocked that uh, people in the South love betting on SEC football, college football <laughs> of any, t- any, any type.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Brett, tell us about uh, this William Hill winner.
3: Yeah, uh, well, William Hill is good at the marketing and is wisely promoting their progressive parlay card winners at their sportsbooks in Las Vegas during the season. And there was a big one in Nevada last weekend. Someone turned a $5 card into close to $85,000, odds of 16,913 to 1. Uh, They picked the winner of every game in the Sunday-Monday slate 15 games. Now, to be fair, this person did not actually pick Every winner is there was a tie in the Green Bay, Minnesota game, but ties go to the runner in these contests, which I think is smart. And uh, the rest of the games went this person's way, picked underdogs like the Titans, Colts, Bucks, Chiefs. Uh, now, you I mean, you're going to see winners throughout the season, so this isn't a surprising story. My big takeaway here, though, is that uh, from between this and the numbers in Mississippi with the big parlay winnings they had in the first month, Parlays are a goldmine for the books. Like Casual bettors just love chasing that big score. Uh, only cost bettors a few bucks at a time if they want. They're fun. They remind me of big DFS contests, the lottery aspect of it. Uh, last year, Nevada Sportsbooks won 24 per, 24.12% of the total amount wagered on parlay cards. And we're going to be seeing this expand all over the country uh, at William Hill and, and other sportsbooks, uh, certainly where, where sports betting is legal. So uh, parlays parlays are... Are big for these sports books, and uh, you're going to see a lot of more promotion of them uh, across the books. Yeah,
0: whenever you see that, if you're wondering why these casinos instantly head to the Twitter machine or the Facebook page and say, Look at what this guy did. Holy moly, he turned this into this, is because. Parlays are a mine, like you said. I mean, this is this is the reason. This is the reason the promotion is so high. It is listen. It is very tough to win a single bet, and let me tell you, it's really tough to win a combination of two, three, four, and five to get all of those correct. And so, whenever it happens, and you know the stars align, and these people win these huge sums of money, you are going to see all kinds of promotion. And look, I get it. I mean, you want these people betting these parlay cards, Eric. If you were sitting there, how much would you have hedged? Because, again, this was a Sunday-Monday, so you knew all day on Monday heading into the game that you could lock in a win no matter what in this situation. So what kind of hedge are you doing on that thing?
2: You have to, right? But I, I mean, I assume most of the folks who are betting five dollar parlay cards at William Hill aren't the sort that are going to hedge their bets. But yeah, I mean, you have to. I don't know, a third of it. How much do you have? How yeah, much do you I mean, have?
0: I'm I'm hedging at least thirty k. I would imagine. I mean, like yeah. just just to 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 lock in at least a you know twenty five thousand dollar win for me. I think that that's certainly something I would be doing. But it was uh, it was interesting because there was a little bit of a debate on. On the Twitter machine, where people were wondering, how much would you hedge in this situation? How much do you do you want to lock in? How much do you care to win? Um, There were some people who said, you know, they would they would definitely just lock in at least a fifty percent of what they could have won on the parlay card. Of course, there were some of the people who I don't believe it were saying like, I wouldn't even hedge. You know, blah blah blah. blah. It's like, yeah, you would. Come on, and if you wouldn't, you're an idiot. I'd like to think this guy
2: did not, and he had it all riding on the Bears (laughs) on Monday night. I would really, I hope that's the case at least.
0: If he did. (laughs) <laughs> poor, poor soul, poor soul, poor soul. What but a sweat. He, Whatever. It worked out anyway. Uh, no doubt he was able to cash that ticket. Uh, DraftKings did a promotion, and I believe that uh, we talked about it on this podcast here, where they were counting down the time to when they had received one million bets on their new app over there in New Jersey. And very, very quickly, Dustin, uh, that number doubled.
1: Yeah, I think we saw it from CEO Jason Robbins Said uh, it took them 38 days to get to a million bets, and then over the next 15, and uh, ending on this Sunday, they say they're hit. They're hit their two million bets. So that gives you. Uh, you know, along with those Mississippi numbers where we saw a huge a huge amount of of handle just in the first few days of September, we're seeing DraftKings, Just one operator in New Jersey say, "Look, we've since football started, we've you know more than doubled uh, how many bets we've taken. So this is a sense of exactly how much wagering is going on on football, how much interest there is, and you know and what states are missing out on who are are not up in time uh, for for football season.
0: Yeah, it's, it is something I believe that we were kind of speculating on last week, and I, I think that we're, we're, we're pretty spot on. I mean, I, it would not surprise me in the least bit to see three, even three and a half X from what we saw in the previous month with football. I mean, it seems to be absolutely taking over two million bets there for DraftKings in New Jersey. And finally, Eric, we had not a – I saw when, when this first came out, people – our headline readers and chose not to actually dig in and like, Oh, bills. It's actually in the (laughs) district of Columbia. Like people like just like to read headlines and then blow things out of proportion, but it is actually in the district of Columbia, this bill.
2: Yeah. Our little, our little baby cousin district uh, there (laughs) between Virginia and Maryland. uh, There's a councilman there that wants to push forward a sports betting bill Uh, It has been tried before in D.C. back in the late 80s with no progress. But obviously we are in a brave new world of sports betting these days. Um, Evans wants to do it through the lottery, send some money to childhood development and the arts. And yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe have D.C. sports betting in the future.
0: So, Dustin, we haven't done this uh, in a couple of weeks. So let's go ahead and put your feet to the fire Um, as we sit here for football season in twenty nineteen. How many states will we be talking about? And 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 in this case, yeah, in districts, districts, yes, yes. And in this case, districts. Uh, How many states are we going to be looking at?
1: Man, up and running in time for football season next year. That's a tough one because I mean we know seven. We have five right now. We have Pennsylvania and Rhode Island, which will launch at least retail betting either later this year or early. So we got seven. Uh, You know, we have some wild cards out there like my state, Oregon, where the lottery might just move forward without any additional law you know i'll say we'll say 10 i guess is my best guess without just cuz if even if they pass a law next year i'm not sure anybody's going to be quite up and running in time for football season but there's some wild cards out there in new york and oregon and and some others
0: there we are. There we have it. We will continue to do that probably like once a month up until football season next year. And I'll, I'll forget and I'll
1: before. forget what I guessed that Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah that'll that be that great.
0: Yeah, yeah, the predictions will just <laughs> pop all over the place and like and then someone will go back and listen to all the podcast and and then they'll send you a hate tweet and say like you said 10 last month and now it's 12 this month and four what are you talking about? Dustin, nobody nobody loves to uh nobody gets more hate tweets i think uh for just basically putting out information than you do it's pretty great. i do i do get a lot of, people do hate me I don't if
2: you lie. change your guess every week we know we will have audio of you making a correct prediction though at some point this is yeah
1: true. just keep keep ta- keep taping them and one and you know if i say a different number then uh, one of them will be right yeah. yes
0: i love it i this is this is the way we should do this this is called this uh, it's a live hedge we just did a live hedge right there for you <laughs> um guys of course we are on itunes we're on stitcher we would love for you to subscribe we'd love for you to rate we would love for you to review and, of course, we have that email address if you want to send us anything that you want us to talk about and or some topics that maybe you have in your neck of the woods podcast at thelines.com. So be sure and drop in there. And, of course, all of these things that we're hitting on really quickly there, you can find uh, online poker report, legalsportsreport.com, legal sports thelines.com, and the like. So be sure and use all of our sites and our sister sites along the way. Some very, very big news came out here, and it kind of got drowned out by everything else that was going on. I think had this been the only story of the week, this would have been much, much bigger and gotten much more headlines. But uh, Dustin, Vegas Golden Knights have now partnered with William Hill. And the reason this is such a huge deal, of course, not the first pro sports team, but certainly the first pro sports team in the major sports
1: yeah, a partnership between the Vegas Knights, William Hill, sports U.S. sportsbook operator that's in Nevada, and obviously a lot of other states now too. They, they've either have retail or online operations in, in just about every state where it's legal. So uh, this, yeah, but this is a bigger deal from from the from a, a higher up upsta- bird's eye view, where a sports team from one of the more, four major leagues has officially said we're partnering with a sportsbook. We're okay with that. That obviously means at the top level, the NHL is saying okay, regulated sports betting, this is okay. This is more tacit acceptance of, of, of legal sports betting. Moving forward is not the end of the world. The leagues are, are, are adapting to this new world. And yeah, absolutely major story. And we'll see. We're only going to see more of this. This is not this is the most obvious and earliest one. But we're going to see a lot more of this.
0: I'm sure. Brett, this is one of those situations where you have to wonder that now that someone has done it, because a lot of people wait and look and they sit back and they wait for someone else to do it before they want to do it. Now that there's actually been a team that does this. I imagine we will probably have several more of these announcements over the course of the coming months.
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, this was inevitable, right? We we, were, we read the tea leaves on this long ago. I mean, William Hill partnered with the the pro top, pro soccer team in Vegas back in the spring. Uh, the full, the Golden Knights were next up going into the NHL season. So, it was really just a question of when when the, these pro sports teams uh, in legal sports betting markets would partner up with the sports books, and I think you're going to start seeing it in New Jersey. With the Devils, I believe there's already been uh, reports of that happening. So I mean, you're going to be seeing it in uh, probably. I mean, New York, I would hope would be a part of it. Although there's there's certainly a question there with the uh, with the law, but. I would say New Jersey probably with the Devils will be the next one up, and then you'll start seeing it in, in Pennsylvania with with uh, some of the teams there.
0: Now, Eric, we you know we call it the Big Four, but obviously hockey is light years behind the Big Three when it comes to the sport. So, I kind of feel like this is one of those things where it is a. I think it's almost even more of a priority for NHL teams than even any of the other teams in the sports because I think this could really kind of increase the profile for NHL. Of course, we had the heartwarming story last year from the Golden Knights. That certainly got a lot of light shined on the NHL. It created a lot of new fans. People were watching that had not watched before. And now with the NHL kind of pairing and with the sports betting thing, I really think the NHL should hit kind of like pick up where they left off last season and and really – really start to keep this buzz going.
2: Yeah, the Knights are the perfect team to carry the puck here if you'll pardon the the bad pun, but they're in such a good spot for this. Obviously, they that run last year, they have fans all over the country all of a sudden and uh you know, people in states that are about to legalize sports betting or on the fringes will be seeing William Hill branding in the arena. Um I mean, I think the Raiders are obviously will be on the docket for something like this when they move to Vegas too. But yeah, certainly for the NHL, um it, for William Hill, it's really an opportunistic thing that they've found this team right at home that that has such a uh, mainstream appeal in in the hockey world right now,
0: yeah. and in, from a betting perspective, certainly a team that's been a pretty hot commodity on the in the betting markets, people, Really liking this Golden Knights team, remembering last year, and remembering the story, and certainly have been pounding them pretty heavily here to start the season. I guess one thing interesting to point out here is that this partnership is with William Hill, yet they they play in the T-Mobile Arena, which is an MGM property. Kind of an interesting little dynamic there with that whole thing. Curious to kind of see if there's any mixed kind of branding and stuff that go on during the games and whatnot. I, I imagine there will be play MGM uh, you know, ads and stuff and things like that as well because it is their arena. So I don't really know how that partnership is going to work. Dustin, has anything kind of come out with that? I know this is pretty fresh news, so I don't know if, if that's even been been tackled yet.
1: No, but obviously, I mean, Golden Knights are, are free to do business as they see fit. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of interaction in the contracts and stuff. Yeah, it's hard to imagine MGM is not going to try to promote its own stuff too. Um, but – um, They probably have, you know, there's probably some devils in the details with how they're, they interact with, with the Vegas Knights while they're playing there and, and such. So, yeah. Uh, and you can also walk out the door and you're at the New York, New York's or, or Park MGM sportsbooks uh, there at T Mobile. So.
0: Yeah, it'd be pretty, pretty interesting to see how that plays out. I will be going to a few early season games. So I will let you know what I see whenever I head to you have to
1: take out a second mortgage to get into those games. (laughs) I
0: mean, tickets are a hot commodity. I'm talking nosebleeds for preseason games were uh, like over like over $150. So it's still still riding that momentum from last year. Hopefully. Well, I guess I don't really want it to cool off. But Hopefully it cools off from my pocketbook anyway, you know, whenever I try to go to these games. Uh, DraftKings made an announcement that they are bringing back late swap in their NBA DFS product. Now, if you guys are not DFS players, this has been a very hot-button topic in the DFS community for several years. And the reason being is, in the NFL, there is an injury reporting protocol, and they have to designate players a certain way. It has to be done by a certain time. uh, And and then on kickoff day, 90 minutes before kickoff, off they had they have to file the proper injury report and let you know who's playing and who's not and all the things like that and you so you know the inactives in plenty of time that is not the case in basketball in baseball not really the case either every now and then you get kind of a late scratch but typically you get the lineups in baseball well well in advance and so you don't have to worry about that either but In NBA, that is not the case. And several times, even after lineup lock, Brett, I'm sure you have had chances where you've wanted to punch your monitor or your laptop, Eric, as well, where you have a team that you really, really love. And five minutes, maybe not even five minutes, sometimes even five seconds after uh, tip off, there has been a a late scratch and the guy that was a key to your lineup is no longer in there. Um, so, they have decided they're going to bring it back. They made a post that said that they did a survey across their players. And uh, while it was 50 50 for the last three years as to whether they wanted late swap or not, that there was a dramatic shift this past year. And over 75% of the votes came back and said that they were interested in late swap coming back. And so, it is going to be here. Brett, I'll start with you on this. Uh, good thing, bad thing, or are you kind of indifferent on this?
3: Personally, I'm, I'm anti late swap for the most part because I think it caters to the guys who do this for a living and taking it more seriously. I mean, if I have a family, I can't be checking my phone every five minutes, and I don't want to be sitting around waiting for the starting lineup for the Lakers or a confirmed injury on De'Aaron Fox. I mean, that's that's not what I want to be doing with my night. I want to be able to, to make a lineup and then just uh, see what happens. But with a sport like basketball where roster announcements are made so close to tip off, I think late swap is the is just the way to go to ensure the best for the product. I mean, we know casual players also hate taking zeros in their lineup. I know that's sweet. A lot of people off of basketball in general. So I I can certainly get behind this move. I think it makes sense for NBA, but I would prefer not to see it in in another sports. Like you said, football, basketball, baseball
0: and hockey it's pretty interesting because there's it, I, it, you are either f- really really for this or really really against it there's very few people who are kind of in the middle so it, it seems like everybody's very adamant about how they do not want it or how very adamant about that, why they do want it eric one of the interesting things to me that this the, the first thing whenever i read this was we've obviously seen DraftKings Sportsbook take an approach where they are definitely catering to casual bettors. I mean, we've mentioned it before. It is a $5 minimum deposit on there. You can bet as little as a dime. So they're, they're obviously catering to casual bettors. This on the surface certainly is, is one of the things that caters to someone that does this a little more seriously. Uh, So it's kind of interesting that they've taken one approach with the sports book and it seems like they're kind of reverting a different approach with their DFS product.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting angle. My, My hunch was that I can't argue with the survey. If 75% of their customers think they should have late swap, then they should probably have late swap. At the same time, I would assume the majority of people that are going to participate in that survey are the ones who want the change, who want the late swap back. So maybe those numbers get taken with a little bit of grain of salt. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is not – unlike what they're doing with Sportsbook, this is is a – more or less an unfriendly decision for the, for the Rex.
0: So Dustin, I have a theory in this and it's probably, I mean, it could definitely be off base, but my theory kind of comes down to the fact that they must've done the analytics here and just NBA by nature. uh, Like, like, like Brett mentioned, it's the the stuff comes out so incredibly late and you really kind of have to be following every single bit of injury news because you know, the, the key to basically unlocking a good lineup in DFS NBA is finding that guy that's not going to play. You get the super cheap guy and then allows you to get in the studs. So I, I'm guessing that DraftKings must have done some analytics and that NBA maybe caters to a, a more hardcore player than maybe the other sports. And that's why they, may, they went ahead and made this move.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DraftKings is, uh, you know, I don't, I think they're in the business of making decisions that are best for their bottom line. They decided this is the best for their bottom line. And like you said, this is this is one of the most polarizing things I think I've ever seen in DFS that people either absolutely hate love, lead swap or they absolutely think it's it's necessary to play DFS for basketball. So, um, yeah, I agree. I don't like I think it's just. DraftKings did the, did the number crunching. You think this is better? It's going to be a better experience. And you know, I can see it's a be, I think it's a better with Eric. I think it's a better experience that if you, like it's bad to get zeros. It's bad if you can't change your lineup when these these when when lineups are announced or or people who are going to sit out are announced an hour before game time. So you know, I, I can definitely see that. And they also have you know plenty of other simpler formats. You have showdown if you want to just play a, a single game. You can now just play a single game on NBA and you can wait until that happens. So they have a lot of. It's a little bit of a different landscape for, for how DraftKings and DFS works today as it is, you know, two or three years ago.
0: Yeah. And I imagine we see some interesting uh, game options as well uh, f- that will cater to more to the casual person. I bet you, we do see some kind of like mini slates essentially where it's just like only three early games or something like that, or only four of the early games or whatever um, to where you don't have to worry about that kind of late news for the later games and things like that. So uh, that's my guess anyway with this, that they will make some slates that cater to, people who just kind of want to sit it and forget it for sure can we It'll be, can, can
1: we have late quarter swap
0: someone goes out with a rolled ankle and you can pop them out of your lineup or something like yeah. that uh listen we we joke about that but that's you know who knows two years from now that might be pro,
1: uh, pro, the products probably already working on it yeah yeah i'm totally making a joke but that's probably a
3: thing. well <laughs> we've got that we got that flash draft coming too which uh, yeah it divides everything into quarters so maybe
0: yeah, maybe may it'll be interesting to see what FanDuel does in this because they have not made an announcement. They obviously had gone away as well, so uh, see if they follow suit with DraftKings or if they kind of stand pat and want to differentiate yourself from differentiate differentiate themselves from DraftKings when it comes to NBA product like that. So it'll be interesting. But speaking of FanDuel, that's not really probably what they have their mind on right now. Uh, probably not whether they're going to offer late swap or not on their DFS product. Probably it's going to be this massive story that has been all over every single and. I'm- I'm talking every single this made Scott Van Pelt did a rant on this on on his show on ESPN. Every single mainstream outlet has picked this up. Um, some people with wrong information, some people, <laughs> whatever, but it is what it is. This is kind of the age we live in right now. People aren't incredibly up to speed on all of sports betting lingo and terms and things, how, how, how stuff works and everything like that. But huge, huge, huge story. Eric, give us the breakdown here. <laughs> on what happened at FanDuel Sportsbook over the weekend.
2: You probably know the story, so I'll try to give you the super brief version. uh, Sunday afternoon games, Denver, Oakland. Late in the game, Denver was trailing by two, and FanDuel posted an absurd line accidentally in play. Uh, It was Denver plus 7,500 to win. Uh, The line was up for 18 seconds. Sounds like 12 bettors got bets down while the line was up there. The largest one would have paid out $82,500 on a $110 bet. Uh, Those tickets came in. Brandon McManus, the mighty right leg of Brandon sent those winners back to the window only to find that FanDuel wanted to honor them at uh, the adjusted odds, the correct odds, minus 600. So fractions on their um, perceived weight, perceived payouts. Um, Yeah. And then, like you said, the fallout from this, I mean, it's a bad situation, but the fallout has reached everywhere. Um, FanDuel finally backed down yesterday and agreed to pay these betters out. So they, these, the victims of this errant line will receive their payments in full.
0: And just to just to make sure that people know just how egregious it was, it was actually plus 75,000, not yeah, plus 7,500. So plus 75,000 was the line that was actually put out there on this and created a very very interesting debate across the entire Twitter landscape with everything Dustin you, uh, me, Brad, Eric, we've been talking about this in our company Slack chat. People have been going back and forth all in the Twitter machine as to should they pay? Should they not pay? Or will they have to pay? Is this one of those things where they're going to be forced to? So let's just set the record straight for what we know right this second. As far as we know, they just chose to pay. There was absolute, There wasn't a mandate that was put down or anything.
1: Right. So, I mean, New Jersey the Department of Gaming Enforcement has said they were investigating it. They're still investigating it. So that it was not that I'm not closed with uh, Fandle saying they're paying everybody. Um, so, yeah, there's no there's no sense, though, that the department of the DGE was going to say, hey, you have to pay these people. Um, yeah and we what we've been learning is that this is you know standard practice uh, in Europe in, in, in Nevada it's often just paid as it's printed you make sure that the, the books are making sure that they're printed correctly before they're handing them out on something such a, a big line as this so you know I think the biggest takeaway for me for this and for you know probably everyone is that there's a lot of education that needs to be done this is this kind of flummoxed everyone including I'm sure Fandle. I don't think they thought this was gonna be how it went down at all when when the week week started, and you know the, the the report that initially said this guy was due eighty two thousand didn't get it. A lot of people reacted viscerally, myself included. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a I think this is a, a major teaching point, a major point in that this is what we we people need to learn how things actually work. Uh, including myself, and I think uh, that's that's the biggest takeaway for me, despite uh, from everything that went down this week.
0: Now, Brett, uh, before we get into how we personally felt about everything and and stuff like that, let's talk about FanDuel's response to this because one of the things that I think all of us agreed on was just the fact that this sat kind of out there for too long and let people create their own narratives. Without any sort of statement or anything from FanDuel, even even if it's just a two-sentence statement that says they will come out with another statement, whatever it might have been, uh, to me, it felt like it just sat out there with nothing from them for too long to where basically anyone could write this story uh, to how they thought it went down.
3: Yeah, all we had was that FanDuel uh, offered to give this gentleman in at the Meadowlands $500 at box seats. To a Giants game, which he refused, obviously uh, intending to take this to uh, a lawyer and, and get more out of it, which ultimately worked. But yeah, it was. We waited a while to see how Fandle would respond to this, and I'm not sure they were expecting the. I'm not sure they were expecting it to blow up like this because it, it literally went everywhere. It was all over news outlets that we would never expect it to, to hit. But you know, legal sports betting is it's on the radar now it is it's becoming legal all over the country and uh, you know these are just stories that uh, outlets have not seen before and uh, people are interested in this kind of stuff
0: So Eric, of course, we're just speculating here, and you know, I imagine you and Dustin, in your all of your infinite reporting and sleuthing skills, will find out more to this story, and we'll talk about it next week. But uh, you know, let's speculation here is just the fact that they saw the public reaction and figured that it was best to just eat the money as opposed to all the negative press and publicity that they were going to get. Do you fall in that camp that basically the the reason they quote unquote caved was that uh, basically because this had blown up to what it had blown up to and it seemed like a lot of people were coming down on them pretty hard
2: yeah of course and i i mean i bet you they wish they had just done this on sunday knowing knowing what they know now to their credit they've gotten a fair bit of good pr for the way they've solved this uh, maybe not enough to offset the bad pr they got for the initial problem but yeah i think this is you know this is almost certainly a pr driven solution rather than a a regulatorily driven solution i think
0: So let's get into our kind of where we sit on this. Um, And Dustin, I'll start with you because I know where Brett sits and uh, he's on the right side. So we'll go ahead and we'll take that a little (laughs) bit later. But um, how do you how how did you feel initially and did that change over the course of the 48 hours and whatnot before all this kind of went down as to whether or not FanDuel should have paid this bet out?
1: Yeah, look, I woke up groggily, and this is like the first tweet I see in the morning. It's getting all over my Twitter feed. I'm like, okay, you you freaking handed this guy a physical ticket. Just pay the guys. Which, is,
0: by the way, we uh, should mention that it was a physical ticket for in bet for in play betting, which th- that needs to go the way of the dinosaur for real. Like, I mean, seriously, there should not be tickets for for in play betting. But it, yeah, that's especially when any...
1: there's an o- when there's an online option. To yeah, screen. right, right. But yeah, you know, I I wake up and I'm like, dude, if I had a ticket like that, and, and I, I there's a lot of people who agree with me. Like, hey. Pay pay the dude his money. He he deserves it, and that's you know some uh, you know Darren Bell and Kirk, some other informal Twitter polls. A lot, lot like something like two thirds to four fifths of people agree with that take. You know I you know I realize that you can't just pay this out every time you have a have a problem. That's that's you know that would re- lead to sportsbooks not offering in play. It would offer it would lead to them being way more risk averse. So it's a it's a bad thing. What I'd like to see, and what I've come, like what I've come out of this week with, is that there need to be some sort of better processes for not getting us to this point. Now, are there going to be errors happening? Absolutely. Are there processes or things that could be done? To, to to mitigate this kind of thing from happening, and so it's not so common that Europeans kind of shrug their shoulders at it. That's where I'm at. Um, you know, I, I understand in-play betting is a complex uh, animal, and that it does you can't just snap your fingers and and say, "Let's oh you know, we have in-play betting." It's a it's a complex thing. But I think I think the lesson needs to be moving forward. Like, let's let's get to a place where these kind of errors are are way less common, and we don't just shrug our shoulders at them.
0: Now, Eric, you were definitely in the camp of come hell or high water, no matter what they should pay this bet um do you still have that position or have you evolved over the last 24 hours i
2: more or less same position but my logic behind it has has matured i'd like to think over the last few days um the main the main reason i feel they should be honored to they should be forced to honor these tickets is to disincentivize this from happening in the future i think you know, like Dustin said, I understand this is complicated. I also don't think there's really any excuse for an error this egregious. And, you know, that was that was my primary incentive for thinking they should honor these tickets. Maybe now I think some other form of discipline might be in order, um, whether that's a stern lecture from the DGE or some some fines or probation or something like that. I I'm not comfortable with there not being consequences for this, I guess, is the, the long story short.
0: Brett, you and I went back and forth. And I think maybe this is one of those things because I don't I mean, you know, I've been a longtime gambler. So I've heard of you know rare stories of things like this. It's certainly offshore. They would have told you to go fly a kite um, and, and do still to this day when the egregious lines are posted uh, and, and different things like that. So you and I kind of fell in the camp of this seems absurd that people would even expect this to be paid out. Um, do, do you still feel that way?
3: Yeah, well, this is not going to be a popular take, but I, I really have an issue with the better who used this ticket to take advantage of a company's mistake. It's actually stop it. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm seriously stop disgusted that, that this happened because look, anybody sitting in a sports book is going to know that this line is wrong. There, there's this was a clear mistake, and I almost look at this like it's stealing. This money does not belong to you. So just accept, either accept a refund on the ticket or accept the money that you should have been paid out. And then on top of that, what they offered you, the $500 and the tickets that the the Giants tickets that they didn't have to offer you to begin with.
2: Yeah. you know, the problem with that, though, the problem with that is at at what what is the cutoff where you expect a better to know that the line is inaccurate? Where is that? Where is that demarcation where it goes between just a bad line and a clear error? Well, I don't ha- know. Well,
3: I know. I understand. I definitely understand that. But what happens? What happens if they mistakenly offer two million to one odds on this? I mean, what they're obviously not paying that off.
2: If if they're offering two million to one, they shouldn't be booking that bet. Something is seriously wrong. If if a number that <laughs> well, big is, I well, I mean, through. something
0: seriously wrong yeah. when 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 it, it spits out plus seventy five thousand sure. when it should have been sure. minus two sixty. I mean, like so. I, I mean, I think that it's it's not really, uh, from my standpoint, is it doesn't matter what the monetary payout is, and, and that's like the thing I've I've seen a lot of people in their opinion is. Well, it's only eighty thousand. Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter if it's only eighty thousand because so your opinion changes if it would have been eight hundred thousand, or your opinion changes if it's eight million. It doesn't matter. That's exactly.
2: You, you, that's why I think you can't factor in what the actual number was. You can't. You can't uh, be be subjective about what that number is in the same way you can't be about the amount that is paid out. Those things, two things that shouldn't matter, are whether the better knew what he was doing and how big the mistake was. Those things should not factor into the resolution here.
0: Well, I mean, it's a computer error that is one of those things where I, I think that anyone with a, a sound mind would understand that this was a, a, an incredibly egregious error. I feel more in Brett's camp where it almost feels like you're you're feeling entitled to money that's definitely not yours. And so one of the, one of the things like I would propose is so it's a computer, let, let's say that there's a, a, a an electronics store and they are advertising HDTVs, at, you know, a a universal coupon for for 10% off, and the computer accidentally puts an extra zero on there, and and they send out this coupon to everyone into their email accounts, and it says 100% off. So are you entitled then at that point to go in and walk out with a free television? I mean, of course not. They're not going to honor that coupon. They're not going to give you a television for free. But, it, but I'm holding the ticket that says 100% off. Well, you know what? It was a mistake. It is what it is. I don't, ha- I don't know why you feel that you're entitled to a free television. And I feel it's the same situation in this. Like I don't know why you feel you're entitled to something that was obviously incredibly egregious mistake.
2: The most amusing part has been these these comparisons you just made that everyone has a parallel to draw (laughs) to this. It's it's nothing like a zero falling off a billboard for a card. It's really not like any of these things. It's sort of a cousin of a slot machine malfunction in some ways. It's really a unique situation and we, we need to treat it like that.
0: I mean, a computer glitch is a computer glitch in my eyes, and so I mean, it's one of those things where, it, yeah, I mean, falling off a billboard is is different. I mean, that's a physical thing, but if like if it's a, a computer generated thing that sends out to someone in their email or whatever, I, I don't know. I I thought long and hard about a comparison that actually makes sense, and I feel mine pretty much does. And so, uh, <laughs> so uh, you, you you need to go ahead and acknowledge that right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that,
2: that's a great parallel. Use you know, know like you need to go
0: ahead and acknowledge that that is like one of the things. That, okay, I get it. It's a computer generated coupon that actually uh, there was a mistake, and so. It's kind of one of the here. Here's the
1: thing: as much as as you and Brett or anyone else wants to hit people over the head with common sense, that did not play well this week. And people, have to, we have to figure this out. This is like this is going to happen again. And what the, the the important thing is what happens next is is this precedent when when the next time a bad line gets put up and and somebody doesn't pay out, what do we do? Like the the PR hit here is that people don't trust legal sports books. If we you know that, that was that's the takeaway from this. Whether you think it was a egregious or not, like people were were absolutely crushing FanDuel for what they did. There were obviously lots of reason takes where they were crushing them. But we have there's the the moving forward part has to be learn from this, figure out education, figure out how to make people realize that this can't be paid out every single time and and trying to fix the the problems that that allow it to happen. Yeah, that
3: was that was the main issue I had with them paying it out to begin with. Like you're going to have people lining up asking why they're not getting the same treatment going forward. Yeah,
1: we again. don't
2: really have a resolution here. This is a, a PR move. Basically, we don't know what's going to happen. This will happen again. And we really don't know what's going to happen next time.
0: Yeah. And uh, like I said, we will update this. I do believe that FanDuel will be facing a fine regardless um, whether or not whether whether or not they paid this out. I, because, again, it was just a, a a very bad thing that goes on here whenever there is a. Mechanism in place, whatever that mechanism may be for for this to happen. I think one of the things I found most interesting in asking around, like once this story came about, uh, this seemed to have been completely. And at least in their statement, they also mentioned too that this was completely electronic. Um, but I was in poking around, um, very interested to find out that there are still sports books that have a human element to in play betting, and there are there are people sometimes sitting in a room. Uh, poking around on keyboards and things like that so like fat fingers and things could definitely happen and and could, could certainly be the case and I think that's got to certainly go because that, that, that's, that just opens up all kinds of craziness for, for that. And um, that was just mind-blowing to me that in this age of technology and we're beating the drum for how great you know geofencing is and how great this is and all this technology and all these different things. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden we're sitting here and we realize that some days on Sundays there, there are people sitting in the back like punching in live odds on a damn keyboard. That just blows my mind. Are yeah, you telling whole, me
3: that these companies weren't ready to start offering <laughs> sports betting? Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, no, I'm saying, I mean, that's not even in New Jersey. I mean, I, I th- from what I understand, this is still like a commonplace. Well, not commonplace, but it, this still happens basically in, in several different places. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it was mind blowing to me that that's, that that's the case. And no matter in play,
3: in play in general.
0: No matter how,
2: I think we should be trying to automate this as much as possible, but there will always be some... At some level, there will be a human input required to start this process, whether it's transcribing the the action from the game or whatever there there's always going to be a human element in this in in play betting for sure
0: yeah it's pretty interesting i mean I guess one thing where human element comes in and in play, even if a company does rely on completely electronic stuff is just to to mitigate risk because the, the these these uh, you know these algorithms and stuff are just spitting out odds and stuff based off probabilities and things like that, but they, it doesn't really take into account if like somebody is complete it's just like hammering the line over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you know sometimes these sportsbook look and go, oh crap, we're going to need to like scale this back a little bit because we're just getting blistered on one side of these lines. And so there's manual elements to that as well and all this. So it's it's pretty interesting and I think there'll be a lot more kind of transparency with a lot of this stuff moving forward as well as people. Really dig into how this could possibly, you know, happen in the future. But, uh, yes, very good takes from everyone here. And certainly I think what we all agree is this can't be this can't be stuff that happens more than anything. We've got to figure out why this happened and make sure that it doesn't happen again and that there's yeah a clear, quickly. Too. Yeah. And that there's a clear cut way to deal with all of these things. Uh, guys, Brett, if they want to follow you on the Twitter machine, where do they find you?
3: I am at Brett Colson, two T's, two L's.
0: Dustin, spell it out, because that last name could be a little tricky uh dustin gauker g-o-u-k-e-r and I, I hear eric has an
1: underscore in his
0: eric prou-
2: still proudly underscore. eric underscore ramsey with that proud underscore in there
0: listen I, I you know what at this juncture we're not going to get that guy who has just eric ramsey to give us just eric ramsey so i agree you should you we should need to get him just- on the
2: pod next week we're getting <laughs> at eric ramsey on the podcast and we're going to sort this out
0: yeah like you just need to straight up be like hey I am Eric underscore Ramsey, and that's just all there is to it. Brace it, you know, so far. Listen, I've I've tweeted this guy so many times. It's just not going (laughs) to happen. And if you want to follow me, it is at MattBrownM2. Of course, again, we are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We would love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to rate. We'd love for you to review. Of course, those reviews, we would prefer them to be positive, and uh, we'd prefer the ratings to be positive, but if you're paying attention and you have a feeling, that doesn't really matter. We really, really like to uh, hear feedback, so if you want to put a four-star in there, three-star in there, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with we it. We got our
1: first non
0: five star, I think I saw. Okay. All right. Well, that's. People good. are listening. That's that means good, people dude. are listening. You told them to. I know. I know. I like it. I like it. I appreciate that. Uh, of course, head over to uh, LegalSportsReport.com, TheLines.com, OnlinePokerReport.com. All these stories in depth over there and great commentary as well. Guys, thanks for being here for episode 22. We will see you guys next week.